Hey, you need to watch this video right now, my friend, if you want to know what this rider on a white horse is that we see in the book of Revelation. In chapter six, we see the seal is broken, right? And this rider on a white horse comes in with a crown and to conquer. And many people, a lot of Christians, think that this is Jesus coming back. No, it is not him. It's actually, he is a great deceiver that comes in on the white horse at first during the seven-year period. And you're going to see that right now in this episode. Hey, my name is George Crowd. Welcome to this channel. If you haven't subscribed yet, you may want to consider subscribing if this brings value to you. We're going through the whole book of Revelation right now, an awesome series. We're using the Old Testament, all the Bible, all the Tanakh if you're in Israel to understand what most people think is the most difficult book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Hey, let's jump right into it right now, you guys. So, here we see in Revelation chapter 6, the seal is broken on that scroll, and the first thing we see that happens is a rider on a white horse comes in. And this is actually a painting that a Christian did of this uh, rider on a white horse of the book of Revelations and Revelation chapter 6, and he has a bow in his hand and a crown. And this guy thought this is Jesus. So that's kind of funny looking, right? I mean, it's just, it's funny how people draw pictures of Jesus. I love the ones where Jesus looks like he's like a glowing spirit and he's real soft and gentle. No way. He was a man's man. He worked construction. He hiked a lot. He was tough, yet he was gentle. He was a gentleman with women, especially, and children. But that's the Jesus that's described in the Bible, okay? And he's also... God the Son. All right, let's keep looking, you guys. So that we use the whole Bible in this channel, all of the scriptures to understand the Bible. The Bible's the best commentary for the Bible, right? So we continue on here. Let's go into the scripture. So Revelation chapter six, let's get into it right now. Then I saw when the lamb broke one of the seven seals. Remember the, the chapter previous to this? Jesus was standing before the throne, and he was the only one who was worthy to take the scrolls out of the right hand of he who sat on the throne and to break open its seals, the seven seals. Remember that? And we also talked about in the last episode how Joseph, or Yosef, if you're in Israel, he was the only one found worthy to go before the throne and to reveal God's future plan, a time of great abundance, a great harvest, and then a seven-year time of great trouble, like Jacob's trouble. And he was the only one who could reveal that plan before the throne. And then he who sat on the throne gave him a Gentile bride. And then later on, during that seven-year time of trouble, Jacob's trouble, the 12 tribes of Israel, the sons come to him. All of Israel is saved. Joseph saves them all. And it's the same picture with Jesus, the same story. You see how that works? The Old Testament explains the new, the Old Testament books, even stories like Joseph, they help us to understand books like Revelation. In fact, Moses, a lot of the plagues in, that happen in Moses happen in this book as well, in the book of Revelation. So it's amazing how God did this. All right. So when I saw, I saw the lamb and he broke one of the seven seals. So here's a scroll, right? And a lot of times in Israel in those days, when they would write in a scroll, they would seal a section and they would scroll it out some more and write, and then they would seal another section. So there may, it may be like this, the scroll that's described in Revelation may have seals inside of it. We don't know. 
but it breaks open. Here it is. It breaks open. What happens? And I heard one of the four living creatures saying with the loud voice of thunder, come up here and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse. So he sees a rider on a white horse is what John sees as the the scroll is broken open. And the one who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer. So many people, like I said, they think this is, in fact, this painting was done by a Christian. They think that this is Jesus coming back with a bow and no arrows and a crown. No. In fact, what happens is this first guy who comes in on a white horse is a counterfeit. You know, like the devil, Satan, he always wants to copy what God does, right? He wanted Jesus to bow down, to take a knee and bow down and worship him. Or he, and he said, I give you all the kingdoms of the world if you would do that. And what does Jesus tell him? Get behind me, Satan, right? So Satan's always trying to get back and he wants to be worshiped. And that's what's going to happen. I, we, it's so clear that this first rider on a white horse, he brings all this war and these problems. He goes out to conquer and conquering. But at the end of the book of Revelation, later on in chapter 19, you're going to see the true rider on a white horse, the true king and kings and Lord of lords, Jesus, the one who is worthy, who is going to take control of this earth again, and, and he's going to have a time of peace, a thousand-year time reign of, of peace from Jerusalem where he's going to reign and rule with us who believe in him. It's going to be amazing, you guys. So this is not Jesus, okay? So, all right. So we're looking at right now, in Revelation, right now, we're looking at what's called eschatology. It's like escalating or eschatological um, teaching or theology. And all that has to do with is the final events in the history of the world, how things are going to come to an end. Did you know that Islam has an eschatology? They have a belief and an understanding in their books and and in their um, teaching of the world events and how they will all unfold and come to an end. Like you might even hear like sometimes the Iranian president, he used to say, you know, we want the Mahdi to come. This is their savior. And they say they want to start uh, a caliphate, which is like this war. And a lot of times they say they want the apocalypse to happen. They want that because they want to usher in what they call the Mahdi. And we're going to look at that right now. Okay, so this Mahdi, this is this is what both Sunni and Shiite Muslims believe, that this savior they call Mahdi or the 12th Imam, he's called the guided one. And get this, they say he's going to come near the end of the age and he's going to ride in on a white horse. Okay, that's what they say. And that's the teaching of, of Islam for their eschatology. So it's also, he's called the 12th Imam or Muhammad al-Mahdi, which means the redeemer of Islam. And remember, it's both Sunni and Shi'i uh, Muslims believe the same thing. And Islamic eschatology, this messianic fig- figure who is believed to appear at the end of times to rid the world of evil and injustice. Doesn't that sound like the cries of today, 
social justice. I've heard a lot of people they're getting into this the social gospel, um, the social justice gospel, basically. And we got to be careful with that stuff. Use discernment. Um, we do want to love people, right? We, of course, we do. We want to help people, help the poor, especially. Um, but uh, we got to be careful of things that are masked. Uh, you know, counterfeit things. It's really interesting because the Secret Service, they they actually uh, part of the Secret Service. In fact, the other there's two sides of it. One is to protect the president. The other one is to uh, look into counterfeit money. And what do they do? You'd think they would inspect and check out all these counterfeit bills so they could spot them, right? No, 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 no. What they do is they inspect the real money, the real $100 bill, the real uh, $20 bills, and they look at those and they know it inside and out so that when they see a fake one, they could spot it right away because they know the real one. And that's what we're doing here is we want to know the real Jesus, not the fake one. We know the real Jesus, and when we see a counterfeit, we're going to spot it right away. Very important, you guys. All right, let's keep going in the in the teaching here. And he will, this is what the Islamic people say, the Islamic teaching. He will emerge with Esau. So this Mahdi, this savior named Mahdi, will re, he will emerge with Esau, which is the prophet Jesus. This is their name for Jesus in Islam. And they call him a prophet, and they call him a man, too. They don't believe he's God. So in order to fulfill their mission of bringing peace and justice to the world, sounds really nice, doesn't it? He is said to appear alongside the prophet Esau, or Jesus, the prophet Jesus, they call him, and established and established the divine kingdom of God on earth. A lot of times I hear my Christian friends saying, we're going to usher in the kingdom, and people are just going to realize the kingdom is here someday, and it just happens. Well, be careful with that, my friend. That's a dangerous teaching because it's like Islam took the script of the bad guy's script in the book of Revelation, and they're going to play it out. Like They want to play it out. This is what they believe. This is crazy stuff, right? But it's true. We don't want to be deceived by this stuff, all right? Okay, let's keep going, my friend. So this is what this Mahdi, uh, this is a painting of what somebody said, like or painted that what they thought the Mahdi would look like. And then he's coming to come in with black flags. He's going to lead an army of black flags, which say says punishment on it, a lot like ISIS, right? And then they say that, you know, everyone's going to bow to him, worship him. You can see like there's an army, U.S. Army guy right here bowing down. You can see these Roman soldiers bowing down. All these uh, warriors throughout history bowing to this Mahdi figure, right? There's another painting that somebody did of him. Here's one where he's on uh, the world. He's riding in on a white horse right here because they believe he's going to ride in on a white horse. And here is the black flag army of the Mahdi. So Revelation chapter 6, And the one who sat on it had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went out, conquering and to conquer. So, my friend, 
I've got another episode. It's called The Script. And you do want to look at that because it goes into great detail about Islamic eschatology. Did you know that Islam is also the fastest growing religion in the world today? And uh, they're going to outnumber Christians by the year, I believe it was 20, they're predicting 2030 in the world. And they're also coming into the Western world and the European countries and even America getting into the politics or changing the politics and all these things. So I've got an episode, it's called The Script, The Bad Guy Script, basically. Like they're taking the script to play the bad guy in the book of Revelation in these end time events. And you can check that video out and get great detail on this Mahdi and this false prophet Jesus, because we know in the book of Revelation, there's the beast, which is the Antichrist, and then there's the false prophet who appeared as a lamb, but spoke like a dragon. And we're gonna go into great detail in that episode that you could check it out. Don't miss that one. Okay, so again, we go back, we see that uh, a lot of Christians believe this rider on a white horse in the very beginning of Revelation chapter 6 is Jesus, not true. And here you can see even the Council of Foreign Relations has a rider on a white horse. Wow. So there's all kinds of antichrist types out there, right? We know that I call them antichrist or antichrist epiphanies, right? This was Antiochus Epiphanes, or Epiphanes, and this guy was a very evil man who had a seven-year peace agreement with the Jewish people in, in Jerusalem, but then he ended up killing, you know, I think it was like 80,000 of them, and he wanted the priests to be Hellenized, and that's where we get these Sadducee priests that hated Jesus, right? And um, this guy was just horrible. In fact, on his coins, he had it written, Epiphany. You could see it right here, Epiphanaos. And he gave himself that name, Epiphanaos, which means God manifest. Wow, what an evil antichrist type of guy. Just like Joseph was a, you know, Old Testament Joseph was a huge picture of Jesus Christ it was so obvious, you know, he was sold for silver. He was in that place of the condemned with two and one lives, one doesn't. He was raised up out of that place of the condemned and he was brought before the throne. Only he was found worthy to reveal God's future plan to he who sat on the throne. And then he was given a Gentile bride and he saves all of Israel later. So Joseph being a huge type of Jesus Christ we see that this Antiochus Epiphanes or Epiphanes was a type of the Antichrist. It was actually before Christ, around 160, 170 BC, before Christ, when this guy did his thing in Jerusalem. And it's a good thing the Jewish people rejected him, the, the whole Maccabean revolt. This is where we get Hanukkah and all that. These guys were warriors and they were courageous and they defeated this guy and pushed him out of Jerusalem. All right, this is a statue of what he looked like here. And uh, again, I call him the Antichrist Epiphanes because <laughs> that's what he's like. He had a bride. Her name was Laodice IV. And he, she was the bride of this Antichrist type. So why am I mentioning this? Because Laodicea, right? We did an episode on this uh, in Revelation chapter 3, the last of the seven churches, Laodicea. Jesus wasn't even in this church. He was knocking outside of it, trying to get into this church. So he wasn't even in this church. 
and they were hot mixed with cold. They had like evil mixed with good. They were trying to, you know, and, and Jesus is like, you need to repent. And Laodicea was named after Laodice the Fourth, who was this guy's, this guy right here was married, this guy's uh, bride. She was this guy's bride. Well, we know the Antichrist has a bride too, right? Because he wants to imitate everything God has. God has a bride uh, right now, which is the church. Um, God the Father has, I believe, the bride, which is Israel. And um, and Satan likes to imitate what God has. And so I believe that this Antichrist type will have a bride like the church of Laodicea, just like Antiochus Epiphanes had a bride named Laodice. That, it's just amazing how that all comes together, is it not? Okay, my friends, so... Let's get back into the scripture, Revelation chapter 6. Then he broke the second seal, and I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. So what does he see? And another, and another, a red horse went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to him to take peace from the earth. And that people would kill one another, And a large sword was given to him. And when he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and the one who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not damage the oil and the wine. Okay, so what is this all about, right? Okay, the red horse brings war. And this happens right after the white horse. So the white horse comes in with peace. Because we know in Daniel chapter 9, this um, this false messiah comes in, right? And he signs a seven-year peace agreement with uh, the Jewish people and the world. But then right after that comes carnage and war. And that's what we see with this red horse. And what happens when you have war? Then you have famine, right? And then you have death. Lots of uh, death and famine. And then it's just like in World War II, a day's wage wouldn't even buy you a loaf of bread. That's what's happening here. This this whole thing about a, a, a quart of wheat for a denarius, that was a whole day's wage and it got you a piece of bread, and that's it. A lot like World War II. It was like that in Europe. All right, so let's get back to the scripture, my friend. And when the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, a ashen, or a, um, I believe it's a pale horse, and the one who sat on it had the name death. So this follows war, right? Remember there was the the food was scarce, then there's famine, and then there's pestilence. In other words, like there's disease that breaks out. And Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and famine and by the wild animals of the earth. So when people start dying and getting really sick, wild animals do come out and they start eating the people. And um, 
It's horrible what's happening here. And why is this time period here in Revelation 6, this is where it starts, 6 through 19, this great tribulation period, a time of God's wrath being poured out on the earth. Why is this happening? Because God, he gives people hard times to try and save as many as he can. That's why he had famines in the Old Testament. It was to drive people to turn to him. To, to be saved. He wants to save people. That's why. But they won't repent. Many of them won't. Many will. Many do turn to Jesus and get saved during this period, but many won't. And they refuse to repent. They would rather burn forever. It's, it's a mystery. I don't understand it. All right, let's get back into the scriptures in Revelation chapter 6, my friend. Hey, if you haven't subscribed yet, my friend, and this is bringing value to you, hit that button down below and hit the little bell too, and you won't miss anything. You'll get all the episodes. We're doing this series in Revelation right now, and I think you're going to like it. All right, my friend, so let's get continue here. And when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been killed because of the word of God of God. You know, the word of God bothers people today, does it not? People do not want to hear the word of God. And so during this tribulation period, when this Antichrist guy is ruling, many, many believers who are who've decided to follow Jesus and to, um, uh, because of the word of God, right, they're killed for that. All right. And because of the testimony which they had maintained, so they kept their testimony of Christ and what he did for them. He saved them, and they knew it. They're going to live forever, even though they physically might die during this tribulation period. Their soul and their spirit will live forever, and they will have a new body, too. That's what the Bible tells us. All right. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who live on the earth? Here's a picture of Polycarp, okay? Remember, Polycarp was way, way, way back. He was, uh, history tells us he was trained by John the Apostle, and he was a church leader in Smyrna in the Church of Smyrna, which was a persecuted church. And here at 86 years old in this picture, he was being burned at the stake, but he went right into heaven. So perhaps it was people throughout history that are going to be crying out to the Lord for justice. How long, O Lord? Here we see a picture of the Coptic Christians, and this wasn't too long ago, my friend. These are the Coptic Christians in Egypt and um, they were just about ready to, they were about to be beheaded by these ISIS guys, these horrible uh, Islamic jihadist guys that did kill these guys. They beheaded them there on this beach near the Mediterranean Sea. And, uh, but these guys went straight into heaven, my friend. They went right into the, the presence of Jesus, embraced by him, I'm sure of it. All right. So let's continue. And a white robe was given to each of them, and they were told that they were to rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were to be killed, even as they had been, was completed. In Romans chapter 11, we read this, my friends, some of the people of Israel have have hard hearts, but this will last only until the here it is the full number of gentiles has come to christ 
And then it says, and so all Israel will be saved. All of it. At one moment in time, all of Israel will be saved. When? After the full number of Gentiles has come to Christ. And what did we read back here? We read that until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were to be killed, even as they had been, was completed also. So God's telling them to wait until all the rest of these saints, we're called tribulation saints, have come to Christ. And then what happens? Israel will be saved. Do you guys remember Joseph's story? Okay, his Gentile bride was with him. There was this great time of harvest. He harvested many with that, many seeds of grain, just like people, right, in Revelation, and it was without number. Well, after that, a seven-year time of great trouble, a great famine came, and that, my friend, into that time period is when Israel, all of Israel, was saved. You see the picture? It's cool how the Bible explains the Bible. It's so good. Okay. All right, Israel will be saved. And I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. I don't know about you, but I've been through a pretty gnarly earthquake, the Loma Prieta 1989 earthquake in the Bay Area. I was actually surfing on Montero Beach, way up, uh, it's kind of near San Francisco. And while the earthquake happened, I was out in the water. I didn't feel it because I was out surfing. Some really fun waves, by the way. But I did notice the tide kind of changed really fast. And I also looked on the beach and these girls that were riding horses, the horses were bucking them off. And I was kind of a little punk teenage surfer and I was laughing about it. And then I walked up on the beach and this lady from New York came running down to me and she was like, does this happen all the time? Oh my gosh, that was horrible. And I said, oh yeah, it happens. We get earthquakes all the time. No big deal. No, it was a big deal. This was a big earthquake. And the aftershocks alone, my friend, were so severe that they scared the daylights out of me. I mean, I confessed every sin I ever committed every time those those aftershocks came at night, especially, you know, it was really scary. You didn't know if another big one was coming. So what do these earthquakes do? They drive you to Jesus. And that's why we see these things, my friend, in the book of Revelation. So here it is. He broke that sixth seal and there was a great earthquake. And the sun became as black as sackcloth made of hair and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll. And when it was rolled up, when it was rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place, then the kings of the earth and the eminent people and the commanders, and the wealthy, and the strong, and every slave and free person hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from, from the sight of him who sits on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb they shouted out, so instead of repenting and turning to God for forgiveness, they're saying to the rocks of the mountains, fall on us and just hide us from he who sits on the throne and from the lamb who's Jesus. Amazing how this is 
this is all happening. And this is all future events, things that are going to happen. The Bible promises it, you guys. And then it continues, for the great day of the wrath has come, and who is able to stand? So the great day of wrath, okay, we know that, remember the church of Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3, God said, I will keep you from the hour of trial or tribulation that is going to come upon the whole face of the earth. The Bible also says that we are not appointed to wrath, those of us in Jesus Christ who are clothed in his righteousness, we're not appointed to wrath. So that's why I believe the church will be spared. The, the Philadelphia church is a description of the church that's caught up to be with the Lord and spared from this time of wrath. All right. So this great day of their wrath has come. That's what we read. And has come and who is able to stand is what these people are saying. Wow. Pretty scary stuff, right? Hey, you don't have to go through this time period if you receive Jesus Christ right now as your Lord and Savior. If you repent, that means turn from your sinful ways. You're turning from your sinful, selfish ways, and you're turning to the light, to Jesus Christ. And when you've turned to the light, you're no longer in the shadows. You can see what you really look like. And then you can repent of your sins and he will wash you clean. The shedding of Jesus' blood was, a, was to wash us clean. It, it, there's a powerful effect of the, because he shed his blood for us that he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As 1 John says, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all, A-L-L, all of your unrighteousness, all of my unrighteousness. But if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that first. And if this speaks to your heart right now, if you feel the the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit knocking on the door to your heart right now, you can open up your heart and you can let him in and you can say this prayer after me to receive Christ, to be born again as a child of God and be promised to go to heaven and to be spared from the hour of trial or tribulation coming upon the whole face of the earth, the wrath of God. I don't want to be there for that. I want to be in heaven with Jesus, right? If this speaks to your heart, my friend, you can pray this prayer. You just repeat these words after me. You you are praying to God from your heart to him, all right? All right, repeat these words after me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me and and help me to turn from my sin. I believe that you came and you died on the cross. I believe you shed your blood for me. I believe that in three days you rose from the dead and you are alive today, Jesus. And I choose to follow you as my Lord and as my Savior from this day forward. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, my friend. If you did that, congratulations. This is the greatest moment of your life. And if you would like to uh, get a hold of me, you can comment down below. I'll pray for you. Um, Hey, my friend, God bless you. And God bless his kingdom coming to the world soon, I believe.